ladies and gentlemen of the Game of Thrones worldwide fan base. Yes, we're talking big school. I don't even know what I'm saying. It's me, Natalie Bohensky, and with me as always to discuss Game of Thrones is Stu Late. Hello! And what we are doing is going back and watching every episode of Game of Thrones from the start right up until the end of season five and giving a little mini capsule review of each episode. So we're ready to go for season six. L- large capsules, like probably probably a larger one that you probably need a glass of water to get down. But, oh, sure, sure. But so yeah. like um, podca- podcast suppositories. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can sort of put them somewhere and let them slowly dissolve. Exactly. Into entertainment goodness. That's it. Um, of the rectal variety. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Point is, I realised that we've already done podcasts about Series 5. Because yes. we did that. That's how we started. Yes, them. we did. So we're going to I be was doing going to point that out. That, you again. Know, do, I mean, are we going to do it again? Look, let's just see how we go. Let's see. You know? We could be on a roll by that stage. We but could be like, we, you know what? We More might Game of Thrones. To, we might want to pick up things that we didn't notice first time around. We could be thoroughly sick of Game of Thrones <laughs> by that stage. And <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a wild and crazy universe we live in. That I can't even imagine that. I'm enjoying this process. So admittedly, we are only episode four. Um, but I was just thinking about this episode, which is Cripples, Bastards and Broken Things, yes. which is still, I think, my favorite title for an episode. It is great. Uh, I think this was the episode by the end of which I was totally hooked. So I binged oh, and... Okay. Yeah. You know, and this, uh, for me anyway, I think this was the episode where I was like, I'm fully committed. This is definitely the one that'll get you. Because I had started to work out the family alliances and who was who and what was happening where. I realize I think this is sort of the foundation kind of love of Jon Snow, (laughs) who's amazing. There's there's a lot of brooding Jon Snow action. He's amazing in this episode. So this is what I think totally nailed me in. So I would probably say to anyone starting with Game of Thrones, get four episodes in and and you'll be hooked, you know? Like, give it that first four hours. That's, yeah, that's fair to say. Were you hooked earlier or were you... I Well, I mean, look, I I was hooked when Bran fell out of that tower. I thought, but then I'm exactly the audience for this show. Like, like I am the core demographic. You're peak nerd. Yeah, peak nerd. Peak nerd. So I, I was, like, I was, they, they didn't have to fight very hard to get me I suppose me in. I'm not really a fantasy person. So are you into fantasy? Yeah, I, I had, I had been a big fantasy fan. I'd never read, I'd never read, um, I think I've said it before. I've never read, um, the books. I've never read yeah. the Song of Ice and Fire, but I had read other fantasy series and I knew all about the Song of Ice and Fire. I knew that it was really good. I knew some of the stuff that was going on with it. I'd read some of the, the Duncan Egg stories that were set in the same universe, but with Sir Duncan the Tall and Aegon. No from, idea anyway, what you're talking it's about. Okay. Um, Are they like little uh, sort of extras that George R. R. Martin's written. Yeah, little little, little short stories about oh, okay. um, Aegon Targaryen when he was a little kid. Oh. Used to hang out with this knight called Sir Duncan the Tall, and they used oh. to go around Westeros having adventures. So Aegon, and, Aegon the Conqueror. Uh, no, no, not not Aegon the Conqueror, like a descendant of his. Oh, right. And they actually, in the most recent series, um, he was a brother of Maester Aemon from the Wall. Oh. And when he when he's when he's laying there dying, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen that yet. When he's laying there dying, he's he's sitting there. He has a hallucination, and he thinks he's talking to Egg, and he says, "Egg." He's calling out to Egg, and that's oh. Egg from the from the Duncan Egg stories. Anyway, that's a big tangent. Basically, to say yes, I was absolutely in the target <laughs> in the target demographic for this. But the fact that they got so many people in, I think you're right. This is if if they weren't hooked by now, they were tuning out. Yeah. But everyone who was on board was on board. This well, is you start seeing. The plot come in. So this is the yes. episode where 
Ned starts asking questions about John Aaron's death and he goes to Maester Pycelle mm. and says, can you tell me about yeah. it? Maester Pycelle reveals that he was after a book the night before, mm-hmm. a very ponderous tome. Ponderous tome, my lord. About hereditary and family histories. Yes. Why would he want this? What possible reason? <laughs> and then Littlefinger turns up and gives Ned Stark the, the 411 the... <laughs> on one of his bastard sons, Gendry. Yes. <laughs> Gendry. I know, and the first time there's so many firsts in this episode. We see Gendry for the first time. We see the mountain. We see the mountain for the first time. We see Sam for the first time. Yes, Sam shows Bron. up at the wall, and we see at the very end Bron. Bron, yes. But we'll get to Bron. We'll I know he's Bron your personal favorite. Oh yes, I love Bron so much. Uh, so yeah, so this is where Ned starts piecing together. Oh, hang on. John Aaron had realised that Robert had bastard children. Yes. And then that then starts to prompt the next phase of that theory, which is, well, the seed is strong. The seed is strong. We'll we'll get to that. So interesting, though, seeing the foreshadowing of Littlefinger giving Ned all this information. Yes. Because he says, don't trust me. Yeah, he just absolutely says it. to do to not trust me? And it's really funny to see it now in hindsight. With spoiler alert. Knowing, yeah. <laughs> Lots, you should probably have a spoiler alert just at the top of all these. Sure, just, uh, yeah, okay. Yes. Blanket spoiler Blanket spoiler alert. alert. We are talking about the show. But having said that, um, to, 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 with hindsight, to see what uh, Littlefinger, we now, what we now know that he's up to, mm. to then see all his little machinations throughout season one, just poking someone here and prodding someone he's there. He's really and, just laying the groundwork, yeah. you know? He's doing some serious grooming. That's it. Like... Yeah. Chipping well, away at the mountainside and waiting for the avalanche to start. You know, yeah. and it's, it's very cool to see with, with he's, hindsight. He's, he's laying the, the sort of the, the many feet and meters or mixing <laughs> measurements there of, of, of cable of like, um, what do they call it in gunpowder? The, uh, wick. The wick. Yeah. He's just laying, he's just unreeling all yes. this wick and just waiting to kind of <laughs> spark it off and then watch it burn. Yeah. It's kind of But creepy. it is, it is funny to see, not funny, but, but it's really interesting to see that the, you're right. This is the episode where everything gets started. We've had mm. three episodes to set up the world, set up the status quo. So we take Ned Stark out of Winterfell and put him in King's Landing. Put the some tension of the tension with, you know, yeah. the tension with Robert and his family and That's the Lannisters it. and... But the for the most part, and... it's mostly been set up up until this point. And this episode is where the plot gets moving. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that this episode is the one that gets pointed to as the one where people really started, were really hooked. And it, it often tops, like, best episode lists as oh, well. Like, Cripples, Bastards and Burrican Things. People point to that episode all the time. Well, in the tournament, because, of course, they have the start of the, the yes, tournament. Yes, the start of the tournament. King Robert's tournament. I've been asleep for days. <laughs> Someone get started before I piss myself. That was a quote, by the way. That's not just you describing your life. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. When the mountain destroys the first rider, you know, it's the first tournament, the first joust of the tournament. Sir Hugh. Um, And that was Sir Hugh. Yes. So he gets speared through the neck with Mm. a lance and just gulps blood, you know, drowns in his own blood. And Sansa is watching this and sort of her girlish dreams of valiant knights mm. jousting have kind of been destroyed. <laughs> and Littlefinger just kind of leans into her and says, what did you think it would be? Mm. And that's almost a message for viewers. That's, that's a mission is, statement, yeah. This is not a show where people end up well. And in hindsight, I wish I'd kind of taken that on board more. Yeah, it's it's really this show saying... 
what did you think this was going to be? This is not going to be a pleasant, fun sort of joust where people go, oh, copped a bit of a bruise. Oh, I got unseated from my horse. Jousting yeah, they, they is like a life or death. That's right, exactly. There's real, real spears there. Particularly with the mountain involved. Yes. Let's backtrack a bit and go through some of our major plot lines. It starts off with Bran having one of his dreams yes. where he can walk. First appearance of the Three-Eyed Raven. Yes, another hmm. first, which I didn't... It took me ages to work out, like, that that was a I think a lot line. of people missed that. I remember on um, in reviews and message boards and things, people were saying, oh, I didn't realise that Raven had three mm. eyes, and it's easy to, it's easy to miss. But, mm. you know... They are all, 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 he does all show, black. So. He does show up again, so I think we get a, yeah. lots of chances to pick that up. But he is obviously a bit depressed about being... A cripple, which yes. he says, I'm not a cripple. And Tyrion turns back up and says, well, then I'm not a dwarf. Mm. And Rob Tyrion is, basically just stealing every scene he's in because oh, he's amazing. So good. He designs the saddle for... Mm. Oh, and Stu, first yes. appearance of... Oh, Hodor! Hodor! Hodor's in this. It's so many firsts. This is an amazing so episode. Firsts. I mean, we'd seen Hodor in the background at Winterfell. He had yes. popped up a bit but he, when the king is, arrived. This is his first time. First time he's called in. Hodor, come and get Bran. And Hodor. Hodor. You know. oh, so much love for Hodor. Great. Can't wait he's back this season. Back. I know. Oh, oh gonna it's going to be great. So, um, yeah, so, so Bran hopes that he will be able to ride again. Tyrion is told that he's sort of not welcome at Winterfell and that he is. Uh, but because he can tell Rob's a bit sort of me, 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 he decides he'll go off and... <laughs> And, and uh, stay in a brothel. And then we have a nice in- interaction with him and Theon where we kind of learn a bit more about Theon's backstory. Yes. As a, as yeah, a, yeah. As a Greyjoy, which we also learn a bit about as well when Jory Castle talks to Jamie outside King Robert's bedchamber mm. where he's on guard. So, you know, he makes me listen while he disrespects my sister, mm. having many, many whores in his chamber. So many hilarious and inappropriate things. Yes. I bet you smell that. What is this accent? That's not even King Robert's accent. Uh, Something about Blackberry Jam. But anyway, setting up all those little... And and it was funny watching that because he referenced Thoros of Mia, Jory. Yeah, just names drops him. Um, Thoros of Mia at the Battle of Pike going through with his flaming sword. And and at the end, you know, we both noticed that when Catelyn stands up to, to... get all these bannermen to her father to arrest uh, Tyrion. One of the Frey... That they name drop Walder Frey. And... children of Walder <laughs> Frey turns up and uh, says, oh, my father's, you know, ask for your father's mm. uh, attendance at the... The wedding of his... his... At his 90th, oh, his 90th name, name day, day and he's yes. taking a new wife. So yeah. that's actually referenced so early on. It's all world building. It's stuff you don't notice is, the first time through. You know, but... and so when we then see Walder Frey later in this series, mm. and he says, oh, your father didn't come to my... My wedding. Yeah. You start seeing why these things... Everything become, snowballs. Everything's significant. Yeah, yeah, it all ties in. So that's Bran and Winterfell and Theon. We have Ned Stark finding the book and starting to uncover the mystery of John Aaron's death over in... Uh... Vase Dothrak. Yes. Vase Dothrak, which is in the big grass sea, I think, the Dothraki Sea. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the, the home, the spiritual I don't think... Home. Are they in Vastok Rack or are they just well, sort of wandering around? they walk through the gates with the horses, and I thought that's what... Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. And I think the horse just moves around, but, like, they're just generally there. Doesn't yeah, matter. Doesn't but matter. they're moving around, and we have, as you mentioned, the first scene of sex position. It is the first sex position that I can think of, anyway. I think there was a little bit of that in the first episode where Tyrion's in the, in the brothel with Roz. Oh, where he's, there's a bit of there's a bit of back and forth there where she's basically just there as eye candy. But yeah. I think this is the first like 
Daenerys' brother is laying down a lot of exposition, like a lot of backstory about the Targaryens, about the history of the rebellion, what happened to them, about the, the dragon, the heads, dragon in the heads in the throne room, room and, the, and the Iron Throne itself. He's explaining what it is. And just in the middle of all this, there's a very pretty naked woman. Mm. Just to just to give you something, you know, sugar and spice. And what was the thing about that is that she she thought he'd bought her to sort of educate Danny in the ways of to to be like yeah, a handmaiden for Danny. Him, and he's yeah. like, no, 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 that's not what you were for. But then he must have told her that. So I mean, it's his fault if anything. Yes. And then she and then he's like, okay, we'll get on with it then. And then it just he, has the most. And she has to sort of start grinding away <laughs> on him in the bathtub while he steadfastly looks away from her. <laughs> Petulantly. He's like, I'm not going to enjoy this now. No, this is, I'm doing this for work, essentially. <laughs> but another bit of foreshadowing was when she pours hot candle wax yes. on his chest. Yeah. And he says, ow. ow. Never noticed that before. It's very clever and it's very subtle. And it's something that I think a lot of people might have missed on the first way through. I certainly I certainly did. But it's just laying that groundwork mm. of Danny isn't affected by hot things, but Viserys is. Yeah. And so, you know, we just have that when what happens is going to happen a bit later. But you had the realization of Danny that he's never going to yes. be successful. Yes, because he come because he confronts her in the tent and says, you know, I'm Walks I'm the around. king. Don't yeah. you've woken the dragon? You've and woken being, the dragon. Like, and I think it's it's meant to be quite unreasonable the way he's going on. Like mm. she she essentially sent him an invitation to dinner, yeah. and he takes it as a personal insult. You know, like he's way out of it at this point mm. you know he's going he's going dangerously over the top and she sort of corrects him and says no 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 no. if you ever strike me again yeah. that, that's such that great line oh one of the best lines ever <laughs> the next time you hit me next time you raise your hand to me will be the last time you have hands yes just beautiful and, and the look on his face is so great yeah, he's just he... like what the yeah. hell <laughs> like he's proper put in his place yes. and then we have her talking to Jorah saying He's not going to do it. He's not going to get us home. He's, you know, kind of finally the sort of the, the gauze she's is lifted realized, from yeah. her eyes. And because she's been empowered by, you know, her relationship with Carl becoming mm. much more equal with her pregnancy, giving mm. her an elevated status and a confidence that he will protect her over her brother. So I don't think she's sort of thinking about, wouldn't it be good if he died or anything like that? But I think she No, is... but she's not going to take this treatment anymore. Yeah. That, that's the point. She's standing up for herself for the first time. And then what's interesting is that when she asks Jorah, what do you dream about? And he says, home. Mm. And that's interesting to me because, of course, after season one, all he ever then thinks about is Danny. That's right, yeah. But at this point, he's still doing what he's doing. He's spying on her yeah. to get home, you know? he. He, was... he, he definitely is, isn't I, I keep I keep thinking about when his big conversion happens, but I guess it's at the end of season one when it that thing happens. Yeah, so, so at this point, he's definitely still a spy. Yeah, which we only find out later. But yeah, yeah it's it's funny to see that. Oh, we no, we have inklings that he's a spy. I remember last episode when she got pregnant and he said, oh, "I have to ride to so and so." Yeah, I guess if you were, if you were really paying attention, I think that that sailed over my head when I first watched the series. Oh, I, okay. I didn't pick up on that until later when they sort of explicitly say, "I was I used to be a spy." Oh, okay. I was like, "Oh, of course." That's how Varys was getting his information. Mm. Yeah, well, Varys says something. My little birds tell me that she's pregnant yes. or something. So you're like, "Well, it must be." Um, and then finally, let's go up to the wall. I think that's our final plot line. I think so, I'm yeah. missing something. Up to the wall and the appearance of everyone's favourite character that isn't Hodor or... Tormund um, Giantsbane. Tormund Giantsbane. <laughs> Actually, yeah, 
We'll do the wall and then we'll get to Bron. Oh, yes, um, yes. Sorry. <laughs> so Jon Snow is up at the wall and he is just lovely, can I say? Just the best. Can I just say like that standing up, standing up for the weak and oppressed. He's so well hard too. He's yep. just got this real streak of like... <laughs> Oh, this kind of gritty, steadfast masculinity. <laughs> yes, I, just find I agree with really all of that. Really appealing, you know. I agree with all of that. I find more of that in the world. Just more. <laughs> can we get more sort of dyed black perms? And yes, yeah, yeah. It was funny when it's, I it's saw Star to... Wars. When I saw yeah. Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and the Kylo Ren took his hair off, and I was like, "Oh, look, it's Jon Snow. <laughs> he's trying to be Jon Snow. He's trying to be Jon Snow. He's, he's not. He's not quite getting all... there." Just like he's not quite Darth Vader. His face was too kind of babyish, I think. Yes. It was a little bit too kind of... Which fits the character, but I wanted to get his cheeks and go, Oh, look, a little Kylo Ren. Oh, you're just a little naughty boy. You're a naughty boy, Kylo Ren. (laughs) And now for the opinion of measured critic, Natalie Benetsky. (laughs) Oh, you're a woody Kylo Ren. Oh, little guy. I've been around cats too long. Yes, so John Sam Snow, the wall and Sam rocks yeah. up. Everyone's like, what are you doing here? Why would you give up being a sort of highborn lord to come to the wall? Oh, the one, the, the kind of the rapey one up at the wall. I can't remember his name. He's not grand, I can't he's either. not he's, pissed, he's the, but he's, he's the, the weird looking, looking rapey, dude, yeah. yeah, sketchy rapey dude. Yeah. Not to be confused with creepy rapey dude, which is yes, Jack and who comes right, in yes. series two. But no, sketchy rapey dude. Sketchy rapey dude. <laughs> and he, of course, tries to attack Sam and in and, and eventually Sam confesses to John why he's at the wall. And for me, that's the most heartbreaking reason. Look, in a measured way, you know, there are guys up at the wall for far worse mm-hmm. reasons. Oh, yes. But Sam's is, is just so horrible that he had a family and mm. a father who just thought he was a sack of crap and said, That's right. you will go to the wall or you will have an accident while hunting. Yes. And I, oh, my heart bled for Sam in that moment and he's been... It's my, amazing. And it kind of, it, it turns you, it, it does turn you around on the character quite quickly because you could sort of really have quite a bit of contempt for the character because he comes, he's a very piteous character. He, do, he doesn't stand up for himself. He's a, he's a, you know... <laughs> He's a big fat guy. Gets smacked around. I yield. I yield. You know, and it's not not an endearing way either. He's very he's crivenly and cowardly, and he he doesn't stand up for himself even when people try to stand up for him. And then he drops that backstory on you, and it's like, oh, okay. And you instantly feel sorry for him, and you and that just Mm. turns you around on the character straight away. So you forgive him his flaws because he's had it so bad. You know, in a way though, I really respect him because he knows who he is from the outset. Yeah, that's true. He's not a fighter. Mm. But then you raised a point, which I thought was a good one, was why did his family make him go? Why did his father make him go to the wall? Why couldn't he make him become a maester? Yeah, or something. Uh, Because I'm pretty sure you you take vows when you become a maester and you go and... I'm not enough of an expert to know. Yeah, Neither am I, but... We could look it up, I That's suppose. Right. There's a computer right here, but what the hell? <laughs> so, and and what I just sort of said is perhaps the reason is because when you're at the wall, you are absolutely forgotten. You are... Yes. And you're, yeah, you're cut off and you can never come back. And, and as we point, said, yeah. once you go black, you can never, you never go come back. back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then finally, just to, to wrap up by mentioning Bron, and the I know wonderful, he's, wonderful a, he's a personal hero of yours. Oh, yes. But he's only just got that little, little tiny... You know, it's a bit of screen time where Tyrion is That's holding it. up a coin at the inn saying, surely someone will give up their room for me. He's just like an Easter egg. And sure, and like, 
watching it now, and I'm sure the book readers at the time were like, oh, it's Bron! Oh, I can't wait! But we just got a little taste in this one, so it's good. Yeah. Just, just keep, us, keep us coming back. And so with that in mind, let's get on with the next episode. Absolutely. And we will see more Bron. More Bron. So for now, we will leave you with what we always say, which is Valor Mogulis. Winter is coming! <laughs>